Hi, I'm Bill Peterson from All Saints Wolfboro, and you are listening to the Two Bald Pastors podcast. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two Bald Pastors. Welcome to Two Bald Pastors, a podcast about real faith and real life. I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. And I'm Joe McGarry. And we are two follically challenged pastors serving in congregations of the New England Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, or as we like to call it, the ELCA. Hey, Joe, how are you today? Good, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing quite well, and I'm looking forward to talking about our conversation with Maria Anderson. I am too. Maria is a wonderful pastor. I really enjoyed our interview with her, and I think she's done a lot uh, for the church as a mission developer for the synod and what she is able to bring to our synod as far as her gifts and talents. And, and I enjoyed our conversation with her uh, immensely. So what are some of the things that you picked up on from our conversation that we had with her not too long ago? Well, there were a lot of things. It was fun to get to know her a little bit better and uh, just to hear about uh, what she's up to, certainly. But something that I pulled out right away is uh, picking up an initiative that Bishop Hazelwood helped get going a few years ago in our synod, and that is to be a, a culture of experimentation. And one of the things that she brought out was to be more invested in trying the new thing than being preoccupied with the outcome that that new thing might produce. I really, really liked that. I did too. I think so often as a, a church, we define success as far as the outcome, how many people came, and uh, how much money was made, and I don't think that that is necessarily the measure of success when we are trying new things. When we try new things, it is how it feels and, and what is happening and the impact it has on, on people, and, and uh, just to be able to, to try it and to be open to doing something a little bit different. Yeah, I agree. And it's not that numbers aren't important or can help us clarify certain things. I mean, they can, and they do a good job of that. But Sometimes it's what we measure and how we measure it, and in compared to what, maybe. Um, you know, she told a little story of, you know, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many people she's gathered together, but she told the story of being at the caucus, and she connected with 50 people that she knew that were not part of the church community. Right. And you say, okay, what, what's the measure of success there? Um, if she's trying to be a public person of faith, I would say she's doing a great job. I mean, that, you know what I mean? She's, she's out there doing stuff, involved in the community. Her initial conversation about you know, getting to know the baristas at her favorite coffee shop, uh, some people might roll their eyes at that or raise an eyebrow, but I, I think those, those kinds of things are important because they help us... Uh, in our faith community, kind of say, what's going on in the wider community? If you actually know people that are part of the community that aren't necessarily your church members, uh, you can have a much better feel as to just what's going on out there and how you might connect with people a little bit better. Right. And even if you were to go to do something new as far as going to the coffee shop and you, you don't connect with some of the customers and you don't connect with the baristas, then that is not necessarily considered a failure because you are going out and you are doing something different and you are trying to connect in different ways. And, and not every time that you do something is going to have a, a positive outcome. Sometimes you, you go out and you, and you fail, but that doesn't mean that you can't go out and, and try it again and do something a little bit different. 
Right, absolutely. And uh, I mean, the other thing she highlighted too, which I thought was also critical, and maybe we can talk about this more, is how supportive the St. Ansgar community is in her doing those things. Right, um, right. I mean, we also had an initiative a couple of synod assemblies ago that, you know, all the pastors would spend, what we say, 20% of our time out in the community. I mean, I wonder how many of us are actually doing that or trying to do it or would like to do it, but don't feel supported in doing it because there's either too much going on at church or people are like, well, you should be doing this instead. Uh, so, I mean, I celebrate that because it seems like that's going particularly well for her and for St. Ansgar. We could talk about our own experiences a little bit. I, I know that uh, that is something that I am trying to do more and more is to get out into the community and to be present at different activities. And some of the ways that I do that is is really uh, on Facebook. There are different Facebook groups for my community, and people are posting all the time about different things that are happening. And it's, it's really kind of neat to see all of the activity that's happening in the community and, and then to be a part of that. And sometimes I go as a participant with my family, but sometimes I go as a representative of the church. One of the things that I've done over the past year is to join the, the Rotary Club. And so I'm able to connect with different business and community leaders through the Rotary Club, which really opens the door to different possibilities for us to be involved in as, as a church. And I am able to get to know some of uh, the, the people and, and what struggles that they have with their own businesses. And, and one of the invitations that came because of that is this invitation to join this health collaborative that is starting up in our community. And I go there as a representative of the church but I am surrounded by people who work in doctor's offices and people who work with hospitals in the area. And I, I really, quite honestly, felt a, a little uncomfortable because I'm not sure exactly what my role is in this gathering. But the more that I talk right. with people, the more I'm finding out, yeah, the church can support the community in different ways, and we can partner up in different ways. And it, really exciting things are coming up because of just trying to do something a little bit different, a little bit new by going to some of these meetings. Yeah, and even just other stuff. I mean, I know the two of us both coach uh, a little bit, and that helps. I mean, I, for me, I struggle with actually spending the time doing it. Right. Because I feel like there are so many other things at the church I need to tend to, and I can't even get to all of those things. So part of it is is that issue for me. But having said that, I mean, I would rather have two people see me walk by or comment, and I'd rather have them say, oh, that's Jeff. Did you know he's the pastor over at St. Paul? Versus just saying, oh, I think that's the pastor from St. Paul. Right. Right. You know? So, I, I mean, to have that personal connection with people makes a lot of sense. I mean, we do a lot of even just little things like Tammy and I walk almost every day. We're out and about, and we talk to people while we're out doing that sometimes. And, and again, it's one of those, oh, people know who we are then. Or at the community center or various town things, exactly. It's, it's about getting out, doing it. For a while, I thought, oh, I should have kind of like the coffee shop that's mine I always go to. I, that hasn't quite worked out for me yet. I, I mean, I'd love to, to do that. I know a number of pastors that say, have, quote, office hours at a coffee shop. I think that's a cool idea. I just haven't been able to, during those hours, <laughs> been able to find time to do that. Right, right. And it's to find what it is for you. I, I love the idea and have tried to do the coffee 
shop hours, and I just don't find it as something that I am connected to at this point. And there are a number of other things that I, I attend to and that I do that are really helpful in connecting with the community. So it doesn't have to be the, the one thing. It can be a number of things. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think Maria gave us some good examples of some of the things that she is doing. And I think it's just inspirational for us to, to take some of those and to be able to do it in our own way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and she even commented the coffee shop thing. I don't mean to harp on that, but, you know, she said you went you go to the coffee shop, you don't meet people really. I mean, you become a regular is probably about as best as you can hope to glean from that and maybe get to know the people that work there. But again, it's the whole idea is to get a pulse on the community and you can't do that if you're just stuck in the church all the time. Right. Right. Is that the point? Yeah. To go out there in some way, whether it is an event, whether it's a different meetings that you're involved in, different boards that you can be involved in with, with different groups of the community or, or going to the coffee shop or going for a walk, you know, just to be visible and to have those personal connections is, is something that's, I think it's great and, and important for us as church leaders to do. Another thing that I thought was great that she brought up or that I at least kept thinking about while she was describing her work is what an, a great asset it is to partner a new thing with an existing community. So like we're both pastors in congregations. So you know, having a mission developer, of course, would be awesome, but the likelihood of that is probably pretty slim. So you say, okay, so what what could we do to start a new thing? And um, you know, in Maria's case, they brought together not just Lutherans, but Episcopalians and a congregation. I mean, maybe we could consider doing things where we say, okay, if we wanted to start something new, maybe a, a collaborative of the congregations in our town or or something like that would would bear some fruit. And then we're all kind of trying to create some new space for people to engage. I kept thinking about that and thinking, oh, that's such a better model than we're going to parachute somebody in, basically, and and they're going to start a new thing. And within a certain amount of time frame, there'll be enough people to support it on its own. You know, I mean, that's the model of mission starts we've used uh, for a while. You know, we've got some funding. We'll fund this person. Then they'll get enough people to help fund the new mission start. And maybe that isn't feasible anymore. Uh, maybe what we need to do is partner existing things that are looking to start a new thing and try to pour some some energy in that with at least having a, a community support it, you know? Right. I, I do think that we used to do something like that. I remember where I was in, in the Syracuse area that there was one of the churches which we called the Mother Church, and, and that church birthed, you know, other churches out of it, and some were successful and some weren't. So I do think that wasn't a model, but we got away from that model, thinking that we need to have this solo, independent person go and, and start this congregation. But I think you're right, it is not something that we can sustain anymore. So to have that support for that individual and not saying this whole thing rides on your back and your back alone, but to say, hey, here's a community that's already established that can help and support and pray for you. And then you can go out and try this new thing in in the community and see what comes of that. I I think that is definitely a better model. Yeah. And I don't know if this was something that we lost 
and are relearning, or if it's something that maybe wasn't part of our DNA from the beginning and we're, we're just starting to learn. The whole idea of either the, the Lone Ranger pastor or the Lone Ranger congregation, right. uh, you know, that you're kind of on your own and maybe belong to a denomination or a synod or something like that and you pay your due, but but ultimately the way the people conceive of themselves is we're, we're this congregation and that's the church versus uh, a church community is networked or it's it's in, in relationship with other communities just like every person is networked and in relationship with other people right and and to just kind of really own that as a a way of organizing and not that it needs to be anything too structural even but just that you know i would say you and i are two interdependent people doing ministry, even though we're nowhere near each other, really. You know what I mean? We're doing stuff together because it's better. <laughs> right, right. No, and, and I was going to say And we're the trying to figure out yeah. ways to kind of engage people because we, we figured out that if we both brought our strengths to the table, we could, well, our listeners will judge this, create something better than <laughs> if we just each did our own thing. Right. No, I uh, totally agree. I totally and, agree. Yeah. And, and just in general, if our congregations, whatever brand name we happen to you know, be a part of that is mattering less and less. But if we can kind of see each other as allies, okay, who can we kind of bring in to help partner with this to kind of create something new or a different space? Or maybe if we we all don't have to reinvent the wheel for everything, we can be supportive of each other. It just just ministry will be better for everyone, I would, at least in my mind, think. I totally agree 100% of that, because we can't do this alone. We shouldn't do this alone. The foundation, I think, of the Church is community. And right, be, absolutely. And to be a part of, of a community as people of the congregation, as leaders of the congregation, and and, it, and I'm finding more and more that it doesn't necessarily just have to be the clergy getting together with the clergy, the lady get together with the lady. It's it's us all doing this together and figuring it out together. Yes, you know, part of your job and my job is to lead a congregation, but I know that I can't do that effectively without the leaders in my own congregation. I can't do this by myself. That's right. And I'm yep. finding more and more of my limitations and inviting other people to come and, and help and pick up the pieces that I am not necessarily good at or that I know that, you know, someone else can do a particular part of ministry better than me. And, and for me to let that piece go and say, hey, you can do this a lot better than I can, take it and run with it. You know, there was a yep. time when I would say, no, 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 I'll do everything. But I'm learning more and more as I go along is I can't do everything. And it's, it seems silly to try to do everything when there are other people that can do things much better than me. Yep, absolutely. I always try to go back to the line, I've still yet to master the ability to be in two places at once. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's critically important. It's not just important for us so we stay sane and not burn out, but it's also it's important for the church itself. I mean, the congregation needs... To do ministry. Yep. I mean, that's why we exist as a community, so we can do ministry together. And if it's just watching one person do it or a few people do it, that's not really helpful. But to see what we can bring and add and share and shape and be creative with and think about uh, together is, is really important, especially as we're thinking about you know engaging those folks who aren't a part of it. Right. One of the things she talked, Maria talked about in her transitional work as a transitional pastor of St. Ansgard, is how the congregation is coming together to shape the mission and vision of the church for the next pastor. I mentioned, and I, and I still agree, that this is an important part of the work as, as a church, and not to just say, 
We're not. We're going to put everything on hold until the new pastor comes. And that, that happens a lot. It does happen a lot. I, I think it really stalls the the mission of the congregation if that's what you do is to wait for the next pastor to come in because there are so many people that are capable of doing so many wonderful things in the church and we shouldn't sell ourselves short, so to speak, in in our abilities to maintain ministry but also move forward in ministry. I think saying it's dangerous is a good thing. I okay. mean, and this is why I would say is because it, it perpetuates the idea that the pastor is the driver of all the ministry. Right. 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 We we don't know what we're going to do until the next person comes in and tells us what to do. I, I just think that's completely miscomprehends what a congregation should be about. Yeah. I mean, if it's about the ministry we're doing here in this place, who better knows what to do in this place than the people who have been in this place and who, who live here, who have the context, who have some history, and then say, okay, this is where we've discerned that we are going and, and that we believe God is calling us to, and now we need to find a leader to help support that work and help equip us in that, versus now we're going to get somebody in and then they'll figure out what we're supposed to do. I mean, I just think that's totally backwards, but that's a model that is very much out there, and I know I've experienced as as you have as well. It's a tough thing to to not only be new in a, a in a new congregation or a new setting and to get to know people, but also having everybody look to you to say, okay, what are we doing next? When you're like, I'm, I'm still learning what it is, yeah. right? I'm still learning what this community is, what the needs are, and and everything else, and and so it is either putting things on hold for a while until the pastor is able to figure that out, or for the pastor to say, oh yeah, I know what we need, and to do something, and to have it move you ten steps backwards because they're just guessing as far as what to do, um, but it's working together and doing that work during the um, interim space to f- figure out, okay, who are we as a congregation? And then, through the discernment process, talk about and say, okay, who is the leader that we need for this place at this time, rather than, oh, we'll take the first person that comes available to us. Which, again, just speaks to the point of we need to be more invested in trying the new thing than get so wrapped up in what we think the outcome is going to be. Right. Because so, so many times, I think people are timid about feeling empowered that as the congregation, we can do stuff because they're too taught up in what if we fail or what if we fail according to the what we believe the indicators are versus the real success is in the attempt. That's where the success is, yes. Yeah. So, Jeff, we are church leaders. We're, we're pastors, and, and so is Maria. But there are a number of folks who listen to our podcast who are not church leaders. And if they have an idea of something to do that's maybe a little different— or something to experiment with, uh, what do you think are some of the best ways that they can go about trying new things in their own church communities? Well, I think the best thing you can do is, again, not to do it alone, right? So if you've got an idea, what you need is a few other people to help you with it. And then you can say, all right, we have this idea. This is what we think we want to do. This might be a way that we could resource how to make it happen. And then we're going to try to wrap some strategy around that. I mean, I, I think that's, it seems kind of organic. I mean, maybe people happening outside of an existing committee or the church council. Uh, I don't happen to feel threatened by that. But I mean, that's what I would say, because those are always the critical questions, right? Is, is who's going to do this and how's it going to happen? And how much is it going to cost? 
And how much is it going to cost? Right. So like with the whole mission start concept, the whole way that it's been conceived is first we have to find the funding to do the thing we want to do independent or maybe slightly interdependent of the other things we have going. And maybe if we just start with that interdependence and say, this is the new thing we want to do. We already have this, 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 and this. And we have a few people who are willing to work on it. Now you're not totally starting something out of nothing. You know, you've got some strength going into it and maybe it'll work and maybe it won't, or maybe it'll get shot down. I don't know. But could you resource someone in your congregation to start some kind of new group outside of the church building? I think you could do that probably pretty easily, and, yep. and you, you don't need a salary for that, right? I mean, you're looking right. for someone to just kind of organize something. Yep, yep. But you need to empower them, and you need to help them feel like they've got some support. So you've got to have, I think, maybe got to is the wrong word, but it would certainly be stronger if you had some a team of people doing that, right? And then some accountability to say, okay, this existing group within the congregation, whether it's a, a committee or a ministry team or a task force or something that already exists, could, could be kind of a consultant on it or something, you know? Like, all right, this is under the guise of our outreach team. It's not the outreach committee, but it's, it's these few people who want to start something at this coffee shop or at this restaurant or at this place that people gather uh, and basically what they're going to do is they're going to invite people into conversation and then we'll, we'll ask them how it's going. I think every congregation could do that and not spend any money. It's a matter of saying, let's make this a priority and try something. Right. And I, and I think you're exactly right in, in having the idea, getting uh, a group of people who are committed to the idea, as committed as you are, and coming up with a plan and then presenting it to the pastor or the council and go for it. And, and I want to make a little plug here for Thrivent, because every Thrivent member receives two action grants a year of, of $250. Right, so and you that can have, act as seed money for this stuff. And that could yeah. act as a seed money for a new ministry or a fundraising opportunity for a new ministry. And you know what we were able to do here um, a few weeks ago is that through a conversation through Relay for Life actually last year, uh, we said, what can we do to be more involved in Relay for Life? Now, the Relay for Life is, is uh, an event that happens around the world to help raise money to find a cure for cancer. And the Gardner, Massachusetts Relay for Life, is typically in the top 15 in raising money uh, around the world. So it's a really big deal in our area. And we said, what can we do to help support Relay for Life. So we had a conversation with the directors of the area, and they said, what we would love to do is to have a dinner for cancer survivors. A lot of Relays do this. We haven't had an opportunity to do that. So we said, we can take that on. You know, what we do as Lutherans well is, is make food and serve it. So, let, you know, count us in. So last year, we had 60 people come out to, to dinner. It was a new thing. Uh, we were hoping for a little bit more, but it, it was a great experience. And this year we had 150 people uh, sign up to come and, and come to dinner. And the way that we paid for that is through Thrive in Action grants. We paid for all the food, so it didn't cost the church any money to be able to do it. What it did cost us is, is uh, time and manpower, you know, to, for people to come in and, and cook the meal and serve the meal and clean up. And, and that is uh, sometimes an easier part than finding out some of the other things that need to happen in order to make something like that a success. So that's, that's something that we did that was new, that was different, 
and it was really beneficial. We partnered with another organization, and we found the resource through Thrivent Financial to help fund it. So Thrivent is great in that, and they help give you t-shirts, and they help give you banners and cards and invitations. I mean, the whole works. So if you are a Thrivent member, look into that for your own congregation. Yeah, that's great. We have partnered with uh, our closest Lutheran church, uh, Trinity Lutherans in Centerbrook, and uh, our two youth groups are going on the same mission trip together this coming summer. Oh, that's great. And so we did a fundraiser for those kids, which was a game night with prizes and with food and with all that kind of stuff. And the, But the, the Thrive in Action grant took care of all of the overhead on that stuff, Yep, which was great. And we raised some money for the kids. It wasn't a lot, but it was, that wasn't really the point because the real point behind doing the event was to bring these two youth groups together. The other goal behind that goal is to bring our two congregations together. Since we live basically in the same neighborhood geographically, and we're, we're trying to kind of reframe our ministry a little bit in terms of what we can do together, um, this was one of those first great initial steps in making that happen. Much more smaller scale than doing something like Relay for Life, which is awesome. But the same kind of thing, you can, you can broker some of these partnerships that we already have to start to think about new things. Right, and it could be with uh, a neighboring congregation like you have done. It could be with Relay for Life, or it could be with you know the Rotary Club, which was mentioned earlier. Right, um, exactly. Or any other organization. If you want to do something a little bit new and a little bit different for your local food pantry, you know, we've done that kind of stuff too, or for a crop walk, or, or those, all those things. There, you know, sometimes we feel like we have to do everything, or we can do nothing. Right. Usually we look at ideas and we think, well, there's no way we could do that. And we just need to change that line of thinking and just say, okay, here's, here's the idea. Here's what we think we can do. And now let's find out who else we need at the table so we can make it happen. Yep. Like we said, coming up with the plan and looking for ways to get different resources um, in order to make that happen. And there are resources out there that easily accessed and really makes a difference in the life of your congregation as well as your faith development. Uh, just to change gears a little bit, uh, something I want to talk about before we close this conversation is part of the near the end of the conversation we had with Maria, we talked about faith not having all the answers or about your faith community not telling you what you have to think. Yeah. Maybe we can kind of talk about that a little bit. Sure. I do find it interesting. I've had similar conversations like Maria has had where, where people that have stopped going to church or don't see the value in the church come at it from this perspective of feeling controlled or feeling disempowered or um, having a life experience that doesn't quite fit in the neat little categories that are, are portrayed. And I think it's just lifting up that we we live in the mess. Right. It's also that guilty feeling. You have right. to do things this way. You have to do things on a continual basis. And if you don't, either A, you're going to hell, or, or B, you're just no good or something. You're not yeah. a Christian, or, or you're no good. Yeah. And, you know, we have too many messages in our world that just tell us that we're not good enough, that we're not smart enough, or pretty enough, or uh, we don't really deserve, you know, love and respect. That becomes the internal dialogue that we hear in our heads over and over again. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not good enough. 
but that's not the voice of God coming into our lives. And church is not a place where we're, we need uh, someone else or another organization to tell us what to do and how to do things. Church should be a place where we come and we support one another in what we are doing. We find our own direction and purpose, and we are surrounded by God's love, which tells us that we are good enough and that with the love and grace of God, anything is possible. Yeah, and that's not to say it's a total free-for-all either. I mean, we have a lens from which we view the world from a Lutheran Christian perspective, certainly. You know, so it's not like we just show up and say, well, what do we do now? <laughs> right, right, right. No, <laughs> you no. know, so I mean, we have we have some categories for things, but I think they're helpful ones. I mean, the fact that we come at things in usually in forms of tension rather than in absolute you know, that that we are saint and sinner, and people are like, well, what do you mean by that? It's just that we, we're not either or. It's not that we're all good or all bad. It's that we are sinful, broken people that are loved. Right. And need to continually be reminded of that. And need, I think, to also learn to grow into who we could become and maybe what's intended for us. So I, I think, you know, holding those things in tension rather than saying, you know, you're this or you're out or do this or you're out. I mean, that's a lot of religious categories that people live in or have a lot of baggage with. But to say, you know, really, we're all trying to figure this out. And we have a story that we have rooted in Jesus that's about reaching the unlovable and connecting with the ones that nobody else cares about and raising the dead. And we get to be a part of that. And that's an amazing, amazing thing. And to be able to experience those things is, is to take that step, which may be new in some people's lives, and to participate in the life of a congregation. And to not only do that, but also to invite others to be a part of that. And there's that fine line that we walk as Lutherans saying, you know, yes, we are free to come and participate as much or as little as we would like, and God's going to love us. But also we want people to take their faith seriously and say there are certain things that we would love to see you do, you know, by participating in the worship life and by inviting others to come to church and, and to pray together and learn together and that sort of thing. But, but even if you don't do those things, you're not a bad person because of it. Right, or even just the whole concept of it's a level playing field. Uh, people really just resist that. You know, the whole part about when when Maria would be introduced and I'm the pastor of the church, would be like, oh, you know, <laughs> or you've probably experienced that too when you're in some other setting and yeah, then yeah. you'll find out you're a pastor, like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't believe I said that to you or something. <laughs> right, right. You're right, like, right. why? You know, it's just like, <laughs> I'm a human being like anybody else. Yeah, yeah. And again, with the whole, we can't do anything until the new pastor shows up piece. I mean, there's, there's such a tendency for religious life to view leaders on some other playing field or something, or people that are, let's just say, church people versus not church people, that somehow you have this, I'm better than everyone, mystique about you, that we just, we need to consciously work against. I mean, I find that in my work all the time, is to say, look, I'm trying to figure this out too. I'm just as broken as anybody else. I have doubts. I have questions. I don't have all the answers. I probably have more questions than I have answers. But that's what we're about. Yeah. And and so for the new person who's who's never been exposed perhaps maybe to this story or way of life before, 
to say that your voice has just as much footing in helping us all discern what God's up to here can be really powerful. But at the same time, I don't think that message gets conveyed very well, especially not culturally, and especially not even just when like the, the church culture as a whole either. So at least for me, I feel like that's something I'm always work. It's like the tide is working against you and you're trying to help people see things in a new way. Boy, it could be so powerful when people engage that. Right. And I have seen the power that it has, and I felt the power that it has, you know, personally, when I have had those experiences where everything just kind of connects and, and it's a life changing thing. And for me, every time, I mean, it's not as powerful every single week, but every time I have communion, when I gather around the altar with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I physically taste the, the bread and wine and know that this is God's love and, and forgiveness and grace coming into my life. I mean, for me, that's just a powerful thing. And it's a life-changing thing for me to know when I walk out of the sanctuary on Sunday that my sins are forgiven, that I've connected with people on a deeper level, that I've been inspired in some way b- between the music or the preaching or the scripture reading or something that happens during worship. And, and I walk out a, a new person, and to um, have that experience is, is, is just a, a wonderful, amazing thing. Yeah, and in, again, in a wider context, I mean, you and I both put our sermons on Facebook Live, and we publish them as videos as well on YouTube, and a number of pastors do that, or do them as a podcast or as a blog or written out somehow and emailed. I've started listening to more and more colleagues' sermons, not because I'm grading them by any means, more like I, I need preaching too. And yeah. I, I feel like the more entrenched in this work I get, the more I need it. And, and I've, I've really been strengthened and nurtured by a wider group of people because of it. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that, you know, in, in a way that, you know, even a few years ago, maybe even a year ago, wasn't possible. You know, you kind of go to church in your place, and especially if you're kind of the primary one leading that, then, you know, you're you're prepping it, you're making it happen, and you're hoping to, to get some nurture along the way as well. But to be able to not only provide that leadership, but also receive it from colleagues and people in other places has been a real gift. Yeah, and if you are someone who wants to check out some of the other resources and, and what pastors are putting out there as far as sermons or other things, you can go to our website, twobaldpastors.com backslash sermons, and you can find different resources there. So you can just go and you can click on those resources and be led to different YouTube accounts or websites where where pastors are publishing their sermons, and you can check those out. Yeah, and it doesn't just have to be pastors either. I mean, something we're trying to do as a congregation um, more and more is, uh, and we're kind of at the early stages of this initiative, but it's to have other people sharing things that are going on. You know, so we're we're trying to highlight something around once a month, um, a ministry that's going on in the congregation, and someone telling a little story about it, just kind of how they're connected to it and and why it they find it important and, and what it's done for them and maybe what it's doing out in the community. I mean, that kind of thing is awesome, especially for me, because I feel like, okay, now I'm not just the only talking head up here. <laughs> right, right. You know, it's yeah. we're being the church. It's not it's not just my hour, you know. I hope it doesn't ever feel like that for people. But, you know, this this is all the work that we're involved in, and there's a lot going on, and we're, we're trying to 
get better at it and and find focus and look to where the needs are and try to go there. And I think a lot of people's encounter with congregations, especially if they've left them or they don't feel welcome in them, they feel like, well, it's judging me or it's not thinking I measure up. So I think the more and more we can have other people besides just ourselves sharing how faith impacts them or how things are involved in is helpful. I, I think that just adds to a This is what we're doing together, and it's because God's at work here. Right. And it is getting the different voices in there and giving people an opportunity to share what their faith is. And so I think the more that we can do that in the context of worship, where it might be a safe place because it's familiar for most people, then it's easier to go out into the world and to be able to share that with other people in a real meaningful way. I, I think it's sometimes it's hard for us to share our faith and to talk about God outside of church. You know, we might be able to do that in some ways in church, but we're not really trained to do that outside of the, the congregation. So to find opportunities to do that and, and what you're talking about doing in, in your church is, is great. Yeah, and uh, just to comment on one other thing that Maria said, you know, when we asked her, you know, what should the church do, um, especially in thinking about new folks or different generations of folks, is be ourselves. Isn't that good? That is good. That and that is gold we're, right there. We're always looking for the silver bullet, you know. I, the, the joke I always tell myself is, oh, we'll do this, and then all the kids will be back in Sunday school. <laughs> well, no, they won't. <laughs> and that's then not all the where, confirmed kids will come back. For, or is that even possible? Right, uh, People right. live in a different way. we got to figure out what we're doing. But at the same time, you know, that doesn't mean that just because things look different now than the culture that maybe a lot of our people grew up in doesn't mean that they're bad or that they're a failure. It means that maybe the strategy needs to change, maybe the tactics, maybe the resourcing, but it doesn't mean that you're of less value. And you, and in fact, you've got a lot of value to add to the conversation if you're willing to Put yourself out there and say this is important and why, and tell that story, and at the same time be able to really listen to the story someone else is willing to share. Yeah, be yourself. Don't try to be hip and cool because you see a, a young couple come into the church, and don't try to oversell the congregation as, oh, this is what we do. Just just be who you are, and, and people are going to love you for that. And, you know, I think you're right that we, we try to have this silver bullet to say, oh, Yeah, I mean, if we do confirmation this way, that means all the confirmation kids will stay around until they graduate high school. Well, probably not, unless it's it's building those authentic relationships and to find different ways to do that and to be able to connect with one another. An amazing insight from from Maria for, for us. Absolutely. Yeah, when I was in my last congregation, I used to joke all the time, once we get a smoke machine, then we'll really... And really people be, be doing flocking something. in from all over, <laughs> yeah. like standing room only. <laughs> As if something like that makes any difference at all or doesn't even detract from the message. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, speaking with Maria, too. Uh, one of the things that I have really enjoyed is getting to know some of our younger pastors in the church. They bring all kinds of great energy and a real entrepreneurial spirit and creativity that as far as I'm concerned, is, is going to unleash a whole new way for, for folks to connect and be the church together, and I feel very hopeful for our future. I have enjoyed that too, and the, some of the most creative people I've ever seen, and I see what they are doing if they're posting on, on Facebook or on their websites or just in conversations that we have, and I say, that is just ingenious, you know, kind of the things right, that they right, are doing. Right. 
and I am inspired by them. And, and I remember when we used to be those, those young people, we weren't as creative as these folks are, but, uh, but we're, we're, we kind of aged out of that bracket. So, uh, so we <laughs> yeah, are, <laughs> I've noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> we are now learning from, from them and, and, and hopefully, you know, they might glean a, a thing or two from us every once in a while, but you're right. They, there are some uh, amazing, uh, younger pastors in our synod and, and around the ELCA that are just amazing. Yeah, and it's not even uh, just about the future either. It's their present boldness. Oh that yeah, I really, yeah. just admire uh, um, in ways that sometimes I second guess what I'm doing a little too much. I think sometimes, you know, some of the things she said. You just got to put yourself out there. You just got to do it. Go for it. Um, I I just love that. I find that so inspiring and um, renewing for myself. Exactly. And I, I feel the same way. And it, it's, it's a great thing to have and to be watchful of what some of these folks are doing and to, and to say, you know, there is definitely hope in the ch- church now because of the things that they are doing and hopefully even greater things to come. Well, thank you, Jeff, for this conversation. It was great to think again about our interview with Maria and to hear all the amazing insights that she was able to provide for us. And uh, you, the podcast listener, I hope you were able to glean some, some deeper insight here today. And we have a lot of great interviews coming up in the near future, so please check those out when they become available. If you want to hear some of the stuff that we are doing in the next uh, couple of months, uh, we have a lot of exciting uh, projects that, that Jeff and I are working on. So go to our website, twobaldpastors.com. Once again, my name is Joe McGarry. And I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. Thank you for joining us, and we hope to hear from you soon. Take care. Be blessed. Bye. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors. I don't want to get on too many tangents here. No, right, right. That's why I stop with that.